Happy Monday, y'all. Welcome to the One Take Wonder podcast with the Hot Weird Girl. I'm the Hot Weird Girl in question, Alexia. You can find me on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at the username at Hot Weird Girl. That's girl with a zero instead of an I. This podcast comes out late Monday nights. It's better than the late night show. If you like this podcast, please send it to a friend and please rate this five stars on either Spotify, Apple Music, or whatever platform you're listening to this on because this podcast actually streams on every podcast platform possible. It helps out so much, especially if you leave a written review, especially if you share this podcast from whatever respective app you're listening on. It really, really helps the listenership and it also provides me an important point of feedback. If you're listening on Spotify where I record these podcasts, then you know that there's an interactive tab where you guys can leave comments and suggestions for things to talk about. And I think I've done a good job of incorporating almost every suggestion or feedback with some caveats um, into the podcast episode. It really helps my creative podcast process and it really really helps this podcast thrive so again this podcast really wouldn't be to the place where it is now without viewer interaction or should I say listener interaction and it really 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 helps when you highly rate this podcast so please remember to do so by the end of the episode but without further ado let's get into it So I know way too much about the femininity trad wife sphere because I was into it for about like six months. And this is that story, this podcast today. And if you're like, Alexia, how the fuck did you get into that? Did you lose your mind? Yeah, kind of. So in November of 2020, I was parked at a red light on the way to pick up my Thai food in between my contracts and corporations class, or I'm sorry, my con law and corporations class. And that's when a drunk guy hit me going 40 miles an hour. I was driving a bright red minivan at the time. Her name is Bertha. She's still alive. Also, she kept me very safe. And you would think that getting slammed into um, 40 miles an hour in a little sedan would damage the car in any way. No. Where did all the damage happen? My poor little noggin, which bounced off my steering wheel and then hit the back of my car and that's when I blacked out. Not actually because apparently I was coherent enough to exchange insurance information, pick up my Thai food, pick up laundry detergent for some reason on the CVS down the street, go home, talk to my roommate, call my grandma, attended half of corporations before I looked at Gabby. Also, we were doing school from home. This was like, again, 2020. Um, I'd be like, you know, I don't, I don't feel so good. I think I'm going to take a nap. And that's when Gabby called my mom, who's already on her way over to my apartment because my grandma called her and was like, hey, Alexia just hit her head and she's not making any sense. Again, I don't remember this. So while I was in the um, traumatic brain injury, and it ended up being a pretty bad concussion, like I had to go through extensive concussion therapy. So it was physical therapy, ocular therapy, vestibular therapy. Not to mention some actual therapy because my brain was like a scrambled egg. And I was like, you know, I think I've suddenly lost the ability to read as fast. Happy ending, folks. Um, I'm now smarter than I was back then, not because of the brain injury, but just because people who have a capacity for knowledge, every year you get smarter, just like every year you get hotter. Anyway, so so this is funny. I hope you're, you know, I told this story to someone once. They did not think it was funny and they looked a bit horrified realizing that now, but I'm also realizing that I kind of committed to this being the bit for the week. Hmm. You'll just have to trust me on this one, guys. Anyway, the brain wasn't thinking too good. 
Okay. And I also, reading was very difficult. Writing was very difficult. Thinking about constructs like too deeply was really difficult. Um, and I really couldn't be on my phone for longer than like 15, 20 minutes. So it became very hard to text. Now, obviously when you have a concussion, you're still supposed to do those things. That's actually the leading advice now, like get your brain used to doing what it's doing. But I got fatigued very often. I spent a lot of time, especially in those first few months resting and just laying up there and looking at the ceiling actually gets very boring. I have beef with a lot of audiobook narrators. So I turned to YouTube videos and one of the things that was so deeply appealing was femininity content. But at the time, I didn't know that that's what I was getting into. I'm someone in my personal life who's extremely traditionally feminine, except for the fact that I have a horrible potty mouth and I am trying to work on it. And if I was a funnier editor, then this would be the part where I rolled the tape of just probably every time that I've sent cunt, bitch, ho, fuck, fucker, fuck you on this podcast. But hey, if you're a listener, you already know what it's been these past couple weeks. Um, but I, you know, I care about how I look. I like to wear makeup. I like to take care of my skin. I, my nails stay done. I wear heels everywhere. In college, I was very notorious for like walking up and down our Western Pennsylvania cobblestone campus in heels and ripped jeans. And it would be like a Tuesday. Completely ridiculous, extra bougie person. And so when I saw these videos that's like, level up your feminine self even more, I was like, oh, amazing. And when did it end up being was like some of the most patently insane shit I've ever heard. I do think it was somewhat good for my brain because I would listen to something, for example, like a feminine woman never goes on a date and speaks to a man. And I would be laying there on the couch and I'd be like, that's not, that's not right. I don't agree with that. But again, the thinky thinkies were slow. Anyway, now that I'm no longer concussed, that I'm back at that ability... It has given me the opportunity to think about why that content was so appealing because at the time that I got concussed, right, we were still, depending on where you are in the country, still in portions of a quarantine or lockdown. It was the first winter with COVID. People were scared as fuck. And then in January 2021, Donald Trump tried to overthrow the government with a coup, which really, really scared me. So we're at this point of like, everyone's getting sick. I'm really scared. I'm also injured right now. And the world is politically going to shit. What the fuck is happening? Oh, there I go swearing again. And then there's this very comforting alternative of like, hey, if I just follow these ABCDEFG rules, then I can get XYZ results. And so the takeaway for this podcast is not, oh my God, I was so stupid for eight months and that's why femininity was appealing. But I was a person who's experiencing distress and these little YouTube snippets and the deeper you fall down into the rabbit hole and the more that like things that didn't make sense or things that I wouldn't ordinarily rationalize as being true became more appealing suddenly became almost a point of comfort because I think understanding what's behind the drive to identify with this content will actually help root the content out itself. 
So first I want to point out that femininity content, like anything that threatens to radicalize you, starts off pretty innocuous in the beginning. Like I said, I'm already a person who very heavily identifies with makeup, fashion, you know, striving to look like beauty standards, caring about my general maintenance. So even now in like my non-concussed state, I do love watching those like YouTube, like this is my hygiene routine. This is my shower routine. You know, come with me on like my beauty maintenance days. So that's how it started. I couldn't watch a lot of videos. I was really just limited to what I could listen to in my AirPods. So it started by watching like my normal beauty creators and then there were people who were beauty creators but they also talked about like lifestyle and culture and like these are the things that I do as like a feminine woman and again most of those introductory videos that I was seeing on YouTube's algorithm and I'm harking back to that algorithm point a lot because again I couldn't really scroll through my phone and pick and choose what I wanted to view because that would have been too much time on the phone so really like YouTube's algorithm in the same way that the, you know, anti-social justice to now you're a right-wing Nazi pipeline very much exists just because you start watching certain videos. There was also this pipeline that I was going down, although not nearly as dangerous and again, low-key kind of funny. And then it got into these things of like, oh, well, you know, how to look elegant and ladylike in public. And I was in law school at the time and If you've never been in law school, one thing that they really harp on you is like maintaining very general standards of etiquette. Like the way that I talk on the podcast and on social media is not the way that I would talk in a room full of attorneys. It's very prim and proper and traditional. And they're constantly telling you to go out and read these books on etiquette, you know, learn really formal table manners, learn to talk about wine and golf and tennis and other like rich white people things. And so it wasn't, again, out of the norm for me to be fascinated with, okay, here are the things that if I ever go to a client dinner, here's how I blend in with my peers or like, here's what my clients will expect from me, especially if they're, you know, very wealthy clients, like the field that I work in. So again, it didn't seem too out of the ordinary. And I think I was about six months into the concussion and also about six months into this content where it started to get a little weird. This was also at the time that it began navigating into dating content and also at least when I first became aware that it was blowing up on TikTok. And this was about mid-2021. And that was content that centered around how to date as a feminine woman, you know, like, and this idea of femininity was very heteronormative and very patriarchal, right? It was a woman who was soft-spoken, who was sort of agreeable and kind, and like, I'm only soft-spoken because I'm slightly monotoned. I don't know that I would describe myself, I would describe myself as kind, but not nice. And as far as the whole gentle and not having an abrasive personality, (laughs) um, you know, that's not really me. But it was very easy to go along with this black and white thinking, given one, the personal crisis that I was experiencing 
in that concussion because it was a personal crisis. And it's like funny as I'm being about it now and I can laugh about it now, but it is a very scary thing to be cognizant enough to recognize that your brain is not working the way it used to, you know, especially since I've always identified as being a very intelligent girl. And now suddenly, like, I'm not a smart squirrel anymore. Like suddenly tasks are taking me longer. I'm getting fatigued easier. Whereas I usually used to, when I lived in Pittsburgh, I'd wake up and go for like a two, two and a half mile walk. And now walking down the block is sort of making me dizzy. So physically I'm not in the, you know, shape that I wanted or really needed to be in. Mentally things are harder. It's a little harder to hang out and keep up with my friends. So I'm kind of losing touch with people. Although my roommate was great and she really did keep me connected. And again, like I think it would have been a lot worse if I didn't have a roommate. And then at the same time, there's also this social crisis, right? Like Trump attempted to invoke a coup. Now, at the time that this is happening, this is probably like April of 2021, it's become a legitimate public debate whether or not that was a protest or a coup, even though a year prior when people were peacefully marching in the streets for Black Lives Matter, like that was considered a real coup d'etat. And I actively remember um, troops coming in and them gassing us. So that was a lot. That was really scary. Also the pandemic, like I think Omicron was happening. We weren't really sure who could get the boosters, how long were the boosters going to work. Like nothing was really settled. And femininity content provided a refuge from all of this because it promised that if you just followed along to these socially prescribed rules, rules that were very steeped in patriarchy and tradition, so it felt comforting, then you could get these end results of like a soft, enjoyable life without any pain. And that was very, very appealing because I was desperate, right? Like it just It seemed like, okay, you know, school is hard. And then on top of that, school is really hard when you have a concussion. Everything was going wrong. But here's this woman on YouTube in a pretty dress that I would like to wear and a soothing voice. And I'm thinking like, oh, we're really bonding because, you know, again, monotone bitches stick together. And she's telling me that if I just do X, Y, and Z, I'll meet Prince Charming and I can be happy. And so what if there's a small voice in the back of my head that's like, you know, I don't really think that this is going to work out for you. And I'm willing to bet that I'm not the only person who felt like that. I think a lot of people felt like that at the time. And I think even more people feel like that now, like the world is just really out of control. And more than anything, prescribing to these traditional lifestyles offers a means of control. And I think this is best paralleled by the rise of the trad wife movement. And while ultimately that is a pipeline into white supremacy, which I'll explain in a moment, um, there's also a lot of women of color and particularly black women who are identifying with the less political part of the trad wife movement. If you're completely unfamiliar, just know that I'm extremely jealous of you. But on social media, there's been a very militant push to return to these extreme and dramatized versions of 1950s gender roles. I've said this so many times on my podcast, but that vision 
of women staying at home and making the pot roast for a man who comes home at five was never the reality for most women in America and was really only available to a very small portion of upper middle class or rich white women in America. And yet this is the vision that people sort of look back on and think is the norm and particularly look fondly back on. And there's actually a lot of research to show that the more social disruption happens, the more that there is an inevitable political and social push for returns to idealism and traditionalism. It's one of the greatest predictors of fascism if there's social upheaval because people will want to go back to very narrowly prescribed rules because it gives a sense of order in what is otherwise chaos and calamity. And so the trad wife movement offers a very extreme, and I do think that there's a femininity to trad wife push, um, a very extreme version of, you know, give up your job, give up your independence, completely submit and be subservient to your man and be happy for a lifetime of pushing out babies with no domestic help, with no emotional help from your husband in a landscape that's particularly isolated to you as a mother. Again, as I've discussed in other episodes of the podcast, it's so hard for mothers, whether they're working or whether they're staying home, because we lack that social infrastructure and also a culture that's willing to help women in child raising to the point where we don't even consider the fathers who made 50% of this child to be an active and viable source um, for parenting. But if you look at trad wife content, it all seems very appealing, right? Wearing these beautiful dresses in your home and all your bills are paid. And they, they're not just emphasizing bills because money is something that appeals to us all. I really think that this push for femininity and trad wife content to emphasize how much, you know, my bills are being taken care of, I'm taken care of financially is because so many people are at financial risk right now. At the time that I'm recording this, September 11th, 2023, more Americans um, are defaulting on their consumer debt, not even their student loan debt, like defaulting on their consumer debt. So that's personal loans, credit cards, more people are running up their credit card balances, credit card interest is rising at the same time because these companies always take advantage and profit off of desperation and economic disadvantage. And people are doing really, really, really poorly. Mortgage rates are about 7% right now, which prices a lot of people who may have otherwise been able to purchase a home from purchasing a home, let alone the fact that even prior to COVID, it was still um, fairly difficult for most people in the millennial and Gen Z age range to purchase a home. Job wages are pretty much stagnant, even though the hours being worked for the average American are going up and rent is growing up. Where I grew up in Pittsburgh, they are now demanding like 1300 for a one bedroom apartment. And because I've always loved to look at real estate listings, I can tell you that pre-COVID, those same apartments were going to seven, $800 because Pittsburgh is a tiny town in Appalachia bordering the Midwest. No one really gives a fuck about that city, but go Steelers all the time. So the fact that rent is bordering that of where I now am in Philly is insane people are struggling. The price of eggs this time last year was like $4 for a dozen and our lawmakers did nothing as people had to sacrifice their ability to feed their families and provide. And I'm reiterating all these things as I do in my podcast because we're in a social landscape where traditional 
traditional political and cultural ideologies can rise because, again, it offers that comfort. But back to what I was saying, these desperate social conditions will inevitably lead to desperate social solutions. And I think femininity content, we're going to see a lot more of it. A lot more people will continue to become platformed and get famous off of it because people are really, 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 really looking for some sort of refuge, even if it pans out that it doesn't work. Because setting yourself up to be this subservient, never questioning, always yielding, semi-silent mouse of a woman to a man, I think puts you in a really dangerous position and like puts a sign over your head that's like, hey, come abuse me. Because I think the really dark side to this content is that they never spoke about things like financial abuse. They would encourage that you become financially dependent on your boyfriend, that you become a stay-at-home girlfriend or try to get him to marry you as quickly as possible so you become a stay-at-home wife. But they never told you about how important it is to protect yourself financially in those situations and the ways in which you can protect yourself financially in those situations. And they were giving out horrible legal advice by saying that, you know, if you get divorced, you're entitled to 50% of his estate. That's not true in most states. I don't practice family law, so I really can't go into specifics. But like, babe, if you're banking on that, please consult a lawyer in your jurisdiction who can actually lay down the law and tell you what what. Um, so they were giving really bad legal advice. They were not telling women what to look out for in terms of emotional or physical abuse because a guy that's really obsessed with you know, leading you and having dominion over you. Those are also the red flags for a guy that could possibly put his hands on you or attempt to destroy your self-esteem with his words or isolate you. And I think, I mean, I guess we'll never know how many young women who were desperate or sick or looking for a better way out have fallen into these really dangerous relationships because by following this model with no guidelines about what to look out for, they became very easy prey for a predator. But I think it is something that as the years go on, we'll start to see more women come forward and speak about, and God, I would love to be the one leading that charge. So I think it's really scary how much more prevalent that this is going to get. And I don't see it a ton on my For You page, mostly because I think I've talked about certain creators, even if I've never tagged them so often, that a bunch of them have gone and preemptively blocked me to the point where like, if I want to know what's going on with femininity content, I actually have to use like an alternate TikTok account just to see their stuff because yeah, at Hot Weird Girl on TikTok has been banned from a lot of that content which is funny. Um, But I don't know if the creators that are coming now are going to keep blocking it, especially as things continue to get worse. But just to wrap it up, as much as I make fun of the femininity content creators, I do have a lot of sympathy for the girls that earnestly believe it because as someone who was desperate and did temporarily believe in that, I really understand how soothing and appealing it is. And I really think the way to fix that is to address people's 
social concerns, one, in meaningful ways, and also give them another outlet to express that fear. You know, like, you're worried about economic collapse. The way to save yourself is not through a man. Perhaps we talk about a high-yield savings account. You know what I mean? I get it, it's not Prince Charming, but like, it's a good option. We gotta start framing things like that. 